Last week we began a series on prayer titled Prayer, Take a Breath. We looked at prayer and the presence of God, just coming into the presence of God, enjoying His presence, and how we have the privilege to do that through, pardon me, Bridge Kids. Please enter the presence of Bridge Kids. Jerry wouldn't have forgotten that, but I'm learning. Bridge kids will be blessed by that ministry. As I was saying last week, we looked at just coming into the presence of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Spirit. This week, we're back in Genesis where we started last week, and we will continue our series So please pray with me as we begin. Father God, you give us the awesome privilege to come before you just to enter your presence through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and through the empty tomb, through the power of your Spirit. Father, I know we all come with burdens and cares and things that we're dealing with in our lives, but Father, I pray that we are first able to just to enter into your presence and to rest and find true peace in the love that you offer through your Son. Amen. So we're back in Genesis. If you have a Bible or on the screen, in a short while you will see Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now, one thing I've enjoyed doing this summer, clear in past summers, at night, on a clear night, is going outside and just looking up, gazing at the awesome wonder that is the clear night sky with all the thousands and thousands of stars that you can see with your human eye. Whether it's on our back deck or around a fire, it's just an awesome and incredible summer experience that I would imagine many of you enjoy as well. And as my girls have gotten older, and they've actually started to study some basic astronomy in in their science class in third and fourth grade, I've wanted to try to refresh my own memory as to where different constellations were, or different stars were, or maybe different planets. See, I don't remember much of anything from ninth, out the North Star, maybe. On a good day, I might be able to pick out the North Star, maybe the Big Dipper. So I did what any responsible dad would do. I downloaded an app. And this thing is incredible. You point your phone at the sky and it'll tell you uh, where different constellations are. And even in the bright uh, brightness of day, it'll tell you where the stars will be at night. And so you can, you can refresh your memory. All the things that you never knew or never learned or learned at one point but were, have been since deleted from your brain. It even lets you track satellites or, well, I got the free version, being Midwestern. But there is a paid version where you can track satellites and space junk if you were so inclined. Um, and any time I use this app, 
In the back of my memory, I can always hear the voice of my ninth grade freshman earth science teacher. For instance, he had a very dry sense of humor, which tasked, and we had to be quiet. He would slowly but loudly crack his knuckles just to hear the class groan. And as only a science teacher might say, he would say, what? It's only nitrogen bubbles. So I don't remember a whole lot from his class, but one thing I do remember is the way he, as well as other teachers, would help try to explain uh, the scale of different objects, whether they were larger or smaller, help put that in context, help put that in perspective. So I'll try to do the same this morning with a topic that relates to the the passage we're looking at this morning. Many of you had a cup of coffee this morning, either at home, in the lobby. So imagine this cup of coffee is our solar system. The sun, the nine planets, or, pardon me, I was informed last year by my third grade daughter that now there are only eight planets. Sometime between I went to, when I went to school and the present, we lost one. Sorry, Pluto. So imagine that our solar system fits inside this coffee cup. Well, the size then of the Milky Way, which is the galaxy that our solar system is in, is about the size of North America. Okay? In our galaxy, the Milky Way is only one of perhaps a hundred billion galaxies that God created. Isn't the scale of God's creation bendingly awesome? Do you, like I, read through a verse like Genesis 1-1 and just breeze through it? without pausing? Or to consider this. Not just the scale of the creation, but how God interacts with time. When you look at the stars, you're actually seeing the past. Because the light from those stars, for instance, our sun takes about eight minutes to get to us. So when we see the sun, we're actually seeing what the sun looked like eight minutes ago. There's other planets that we can see with our eye where the light takes about a thousand years to get to us. Forty years ago, they launched Voyager 2. This was a spacecraft space. And in particular, and that continues to go. There we are. And this satellite will continue for another indefinitely, at least until 2020, until it runs out of power. But it would take nearly 300,000 years to reach the next closest star. 
So doesn't the scale of God's creation and the timing of God's creation, isn't that awe-inspiring? Returning to our main verse, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This morning, I want to pose one main question. How can reflecting on impact our prayers? How can reflecting on God's timeless essence, on God's creative work, impact our prayers? In the, the beginning. At the start of the creation story, the testimony of the Bible is that God was already there. Let that sink in for a little bit. God was already there. God was not created. There was not a time before God. It begins with a presupposition, a belief, a faith. And every worldview begins with a presupposition. It begins with a faith. In the beginning, God. And whatever time is, and many philosophers and theologians have wrestled for entire whatever time is, God is not bound by it. Consider Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout the generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the world, From everlasting to everlasting, you are our God. You turn back, you turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust. A thousand years in your sight is like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. So we return to our question How can reflecting on God's timeless essence and God's creative work impact our prayer life? Are any of you waiting on God to answer a prayer? I am. Does it seem like it's taking a long time? Yes, it does. Do you like Yes, we can. But my story about time, my encouragement to you is to let God worry about time. He created it. Take that burden, take that anxiety of trying to figure out when a prayer might be answered or how long it would be until you receive an answer. Take that and give it to the creator of time. Take that off your shoulders. Now, If you do want to continue to wrestle with this topic, as many people have done throughout history and many theologians have done throughout history, there's two thinkers and authors that you may want to interact with this summer, not necessarily always like. First, uh, the more contemporary of the two is the British author C.S. Lewis. And in various writings that he has, along with uh, BBC radio broadcasts from the 40s, where he interacts with 
um, writers that will uh, write to him, and he broadcasts on the radio a series of lectures and answers. He deals with all sorts of these questions with prayer and time that people will write to him about that are on their minds. How can God answer millions of prayers at once at the same time? If somebody goes into the doctor on a Monday and has blood drawn for a test and they're not going to get the results for a couple days, does it make sense to pray in the meantime if the test has already been drawn but you don't know the answers yet? He deals with all sorts of these questions that people had writing to him and maybe you have as well. Yes, he says, it's certainly worthy to pray drawing on good biblical foundation. Ultimately, the idea that God being outside of our frame of time certainly allows him to answer and hear each one of us as if we were the only people he had created. The second, the second writer, again, if you want to wrestle with this idea of God in prayer and time further and deeper than we'll have a chance to this morning would be another Christian pastor, this one who served about 1,500 years ago, who had a little prayer journal, turned out to be outside of the Bible, perhaps the most well-known prayer journal in history, that's Augustine who wrote Confessions, which is a prayer journal. And in books 10 and 11, he deals extensively with this topic of time and trying to wrap his mind around God's timing and how his timing interacts with our prayer. And he comes to the conclusion that the world and time were created together. They were co-created, so to speak. God created the world not in time, but with time. Time and space, thus, had a relationship. And so you see a Christian thinker, nearly 1,500 years before Einstein got on a train and was inspired to think about special relativity. You have a Christian thinker dealing with with the issue and wrestling with the issue of space and time and how they interact. He arrived reflecting on one of the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, how God could intersect space and time with the birth of his Son. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, talking about the incarnation, says, Jesus Christ, too, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. So those are two additional resources you may consider this summer if that issue of time 
is something that you would find profitable to wrestle with. But nonetheless, I believe the deal with the time. Let us in our focus is on faithfulness in coming to him in prayer. So we return to our verse, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So moving on from God's timelessness, we now look at his creative work. And this is a theme repeated throughout the scripture, and particularly in prayers. When we look at Psalms, this idea of God being the creator is repeated throughout the Psalms. And the Psalms were the prayer book of God's people, of the people of Israel, the prayer book of Jesus. And so as they were praying and bringing their cares and concerns and burdens before God, this idea of God being the creator was fundamental in their understanding. And I believe should be in ours as well. A couple months ago, we, I spoke on one of the Psalms, Psalm 121. This is a psalm of ascent, a psalm sung by God's people on the way to Jerusalem. This was one of 14 of such songs and prayer songs. And repeatedly throughout those songs, the idea of God being creator echoes. Psalm 121.2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124.8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made, heaven, who made heaven and earth. So this idea of being helped by God and his nature as creator is connected. A few other examples, Psalm 19.1 the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Psalm 147, he counts the number of stars, he gives names to all. Great is the Lord and abundant. His understanding is infinite. And even outside the Psalms, the idea of God being creator is fundamental to prayer. When Job, who is wrestling with the anguish of losing his family, of losing his fortune, of losing his health, comes before God and he is, um, lays out his heart before him, all his anger and his fears and his frustration. In Job chapter 38, God begins by reminding Job who the Creator was. In Job 38, beginning in verse 4, he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understood the line on who sets its measurements, since you know it's sunk. The line on it. On, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for you? So God replies to Job with a series of rhetorical questions. Founded on the idea that God alone is creator. 
God alone is creator. Later in Job 38, verses 31 through 33, God asks Job, Can you bind the chains of Pallades? This is a constellation. Or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a constellation in its season? And guide the bear with her cubs? Do you know the ordinances of heaven or fix their rule over the earth? This is actually a picture from the app that I downloaded for uh, talking, talking with my, my girls about constellations. But looking up into the same night sky can remind us of God's infinite, awesome creation. So at this point, we're pretty humbled, right? God is infinite, beyond our wildest dreams and comprehension. And just when we're about to think that this makes him inaccessible, I love this quote uh, from prominent Christian writer Philip Yancey. He says, I gaze at the stars and marvel at the apparent insignificance of the entire human experiment. Then... I read a biblical passage about God rejoicing over us between God and us allows this very capacity. God operates by different rules of time and space. And God's infinite greatness, which we would expect to diminish us, God's infinite greatness, which we would expect to diminish us, actually makes it possible the very closeness we desire. And it's the truth that I want to to hold on to this morning, that God's infinite greatness, which we might expect would diminish us, actually makes it possible for the closeness that we desire with him. A God unbound by our rules of time has the ability to invest in every person on earth. God quite literally has all time in the world for each of us. That distance between God and humanity, a distance no one can grasp, is ironically what allows the intimacy ultimately offered through Jesus Christ, who was the true God-man. Yancey goes on to say, Jesus, who accepted the constraints of time while living on this planet, understood better than anyone the vast difference between God and human beings. Jesus valued prayer enough to spend many hours at the task. Jesus bridged the chasm between God and human beings while on earth. He became vulnerable as we are vulnerable, rejected as we are rejected, and tested as we are tested. In every case, his response was prayer. Just when you think God is inaccessible because of his vast infinite, incomprehensible creation. The testimony of Scripture is that God made the greatest effort to bridge that gap, to send His Son, Jesus Christ, in the form of a man, so that we might once again be reconciled with Him. And so there's this paradox that initially we might think contradict to each other, but yet are both truths of the Bible. That God is great and infinite. 
but their wildest comprehension. But that we are loved beyond our wildest comprehension. As great as God's creative work is, described throughout Genesis 1, looking at the stars and the flowers and the trees and all the animal kingdom, and as great as they were, do you know what was the pinnacle of God's creation? You were. Humans were. After he had finished the creation of the stars and the earth, do you know what he saved for last? Us. And so while we look up at the sky, rightly, and praise God with awe and wonder at his creative work, perhaps if the stars could talk, And that passage in Job 38 talks about them singing for joy, but just reflecting here, perhaps if the stars could talk, they might say, hey, we were only day four stuff. You guys, you guys are the pinnacle. You're day six. So they're pra- we're praising God for the awesomeness of the stars. Perhaps if the stars could talk and praise God, they would be praising him for his creation of humanity. Well, that's some big picture stuff. It's a lot to wrestle with. But I want to bring it down into some application here in a second. Next week, we are going to touch further on Humans made in the image of God, later in Genesis 1. How God designed us, how he designed us for a perfect relationship and presence with him to reflect his glory, to expand his kingdom, the mission that we were originally given. We'll look at that further. We'll get into passages like uh, Psalm 8. Psalm 8, when I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him and the son of man that you look after him? Again, when we come, we're awed by God's creative power. Perhaps there's this tendency to think we're insignificant, but verse 5, you, God, made him a little we were the pinnacle of God's creation. As great as the stars were, as great as the earth and the animal kingdom are, you and I and humanity were the pinnacle of God's creation designed for perfect relationship and presence with him. So that question we asked, how can reflecting on God's timeless essence and God's creative work impact our prayers? I believe God's infinite greatness actually makes it possible for the closeness we desire. And that ultimately is offered through God's Son, Jesus Christ, the God-man who took on flesh, who came to earth, and through faith in him, through his work on the cross for our sin, and his resurrection from the grave, 
that we too can have that presence reunited with God. And we have his spirit today, and one day we will see him again face to face. A few application points. Number one, leave the timing to God. Leave the timing to God, the creator of time. I know you've probably had prayers that you've been asking throughout the years that are yet unanswered in your mind. I have. Take that burden off your shoulders. Take that anxiety off your shoulders. Give that to the creator of time. Be faithful in prayer, but leave the timing to God. Number two, get outside. Bask in God's awesome, creative times. We're sitting outside, walking through the woods, sitting on a dock overlooking a lake, hiking in the mountains, or as close as we can get here. Get outside. This is testimony to God's greatness. It also reminds us how finite we are, how infinite he is, But get outside. These will be um, hopefully an encouragement in your prayer. Just marinating in the creative, awesome power of our God. Number three. Slow down in your study of Scripture. Take a breath. Do you like I read through Genesis 1-1 like this? without realizing, without pausing for a minute to think how awesome that creative work is. Slow down. Take a breath. Meditate on shorter passages like the ones we've been through for the past couple weeks. Meditate on the Psalms. These are wonderful passages in Scripture. Whether it's a verse or a short collection of verses, slow down and meditate on God's word. Don't breeze through it. Take a breath. Please pray with me. Father God, again, we've had the awesome privilege to come into your presence through the work of your Son, through the power of your Spirit. Father, today we look at and are reminded of your awesome creative power that boggles our mind beyond our comprehension. Father, the fact that you alone are outside of time, that at some level we will never fully... You have the ability to have a personal relationship and hear each one of our prayers. And Father, you alone bridged that gap between you and humanity through the sending of your Son. The one true, perfect God, man, Jesus Christ. And Father, through faith in him and through his work, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, we too.
can be reunited with you. Father, I pray that reflecting on your creative power, on your timelessness, impacts our prayer life. I pray that for each one of us here. I pray that for myself. I pray that for our church. As we get a chance to get outside, that we are reminded, whether looking up at the stars, whether looking out over a lake, whether walking through a forest, and you are our God, we are your people. Amen.